Until we get real with who we really are, we'll never become the real person that God wants us to be. Today, my hope is this, as we lay out this passage from Scripture, that today will be a, a brand new step for you in being completely honest with who you really are. Being completely honest, admitting who you really are. But until you do that, you and I will never become the person Christ intended us to be. And so it's not a matter of pretending that we can walk through this life and becoming that person. It's saying, this is who I am. This is what I deal with. This is who I really am when I'm all alone, when no one's there to answer the questions and for me to put on a mask. This is who I am. So my hope is this, that today after we get through this message, we'll get to the end as I process this week again for myself and get truly real with yourself so that you can face your fears, you can acknowledge your struggles, you can be the person that Christ intended you to be. In order for that to happen, we have to fess up. We have to admit, we have to say, this is what I struggle with, this is where I find victory, this is who I want to be. And so often it happens in the context of revealing it to someone else. Begins with God and then with someone else. A few years back, there was a, a show called The Bob Newhart Show where he was a counselor and he had an, a counselee come in and she was supposed to reveal to him what was going on in her life, trying to be real. And so he in turn was supposed to help her walk through these struggles in her life. But it went bad pretty quickly. Take a look at this. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C- come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, still being a very delighted about Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? 
Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're there. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. Yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. We, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop it. <laughs> So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good girl. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. <laughs> I only have a five, so. Well, I I don't I don't make change. <laughs> then I I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> oh, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! Not of some kind? Don't, don't do that. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me no, fatty. No, no, no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. What, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. <laughs> it is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! Well, how, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Catherine? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast? Is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Here are the ten words. Now that is therapy gone bad. The truth of the matter is this, though. 
we find ourselves in one of those two chairs when we try to do therapy on ourselves. The first chair begins by being very, very honest. We begin to reveal, unfold, be vulnerable about some wounds in our past and how we feel when we're traveling along or, in that case, her fear of being buried in a box. And, and so there's this part of us that is willing to fess up and, and to be honest and to reveal. It's hard. It's, it's challenging to do so. And so we have a choice to make in our lives that we could stay here and continue to reveal our pain and never move on beyond that and just continue to blame the wounds of our past and the behaviors that we continually cycle in and say, well, it's because of this, because of that, because of this. We have a choice to move on beyond uh, this seat. However, many of us become the therapists on ourselves like Bob Newhart was. And we know that part about ourselves, but we dare not go there. And in fact, we pretend that there isn't these, aren't these things in our past, that we didn't have something that that deeply wounded us or brought us pain. And so what we do, we put a mask on it and we, we don't go there, just stop it. And so we walk around like we have it all together and we wear this mask and someone says, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. And so our response to that is I dare not go there because if I go there, then I got to reveal and unfold and get to that yucky part and but it's much better to go here. And so I just say, stop it, and I won't go there. And so we pretend that we have it all together. You and I have a choice to make. We can either spend our lives in this chair, in this position, where we do let people know, where we do go below surface and reveal. However, God never intended us to stay here nor here where we wear masks and we pretend that everything is fine. God wants us to move from one of these two chairs to a higher ground and get to this position in life. Our goal is not to stay in those two chairs. Our goal is to step it up and become the person Christ intended us to be and find ourselves in the chair fit for us, a healthy us. However, there is a huge gap from here to here and from here to here. And in order for us to get from pretend, that's spooky looking at myself straight up at me right there. In order to get from here to here, it's hard work. It can be very painful. Now, to get from here to here where we honestly open up and expose the wounds and say, this is my past, this is what shaped me, in order for us to move beyond that and not blame, blame, blame and stay there, we have hard work to bridge this gap. But in order for us to become the person that Christ intended us to become, we must be real. We must be real and admit, you know what? I've went most of my life pretending that everything is okay, that there aren't any issues underground. Or I stay in that seat right there and I let the wounds of my past define who I am and I never overcome them. You and I have a choice to make. We either stay there or we do the hard work energized by the Holy Spirit, empowered by God and become the people 
that he wants us to be. Jesus was brutally real and honest with what he was thinking and how he was feeling. You look at the Gospels. Jesus over and over and over and over again just spoke truth. Even how he felt. Even in his most vulnerable moments, Jesus wasn't afraid to say how he felt in that moment. However, he moved from there to here. He didn't stay there. Jesus never sat here. He never wore a mask that pretended that everything was fine. Jesus always spoke truth. Grab your Bibles and we're going to go on a journey today to help unfold this truth. Turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad. Put one in your hand so you can follow along today. Turn to Mark chapter 14 and look at verse 32 through 42. Jesus wasn't concerned about what others would think about him. He was very real with himself. Jesus got real regularly. And in order for us to become the people that Christ wants us to be this year, we must get real now. Mark chapter 14 and verses 32 to 42. Would you stand and we'll read it out loud together. Mark 14 verses 32 to 42. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Read. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said, Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You may have a seat. We're going to find out today from this text that Jesus was very real with how he was feeling. And not only real with how he was feeling, he didn't stay there. He moved beyond that seat and found himself to the, moved himself to the seat that his Father God wanted him to become. In order for us to ever become the people we need to be, we must stop wearing masks. Yet all across Christendom are people who wear these masks. Meanwhile, underneath, they're hurting, they're troubled, there's problems, there's issues, and they pretend that everything is okay. In order for us to become all that Christ wants us to be, we must strip ourselves of our pride and say that everything isn't okay. I mean, isn't that what Jesus said? Look back in verse 32 and 33. Look what he says. Jesus is about to work his way to the cross. And prior to going there, he's in Gethsemane with his inner three, his, his disciples, Peter, James, and John. 
And while he was there in verse 34, Jesus says this. Look what he says. My soul is what? Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of what? Stay here and keep watch. I find it interesting that Jesus himself is willing to admit. Now, this is the God man. If anyone had his act together, if anyone should have had a reason to not say, I'm, I'm troubled, it's Jesus. But he says, I am overwhelmed even to the point of death that he felt like he wasn't sure that he could make it. He was brutally honest with his disciples. His answer was never, I am fine. If you ask Jesus a question, he didn't feel the need to pretend. He told you the truth about your life, about his condition, about your future, and about what you must do. Some people have become so good at hiding parts of themselves that they don't even know that a part of themselves is missing. Many have. It's like we have become so good at hiding a part of ourselves, this piece of ourselves, because we don't dare go there. Stop it. I won't go there. We have become so good at hiding that part of ourselves that we don't even know which part of ourselves we have hidden. And so we become this fake version of ourselves. But listen, we will never be the person Christ intended us to be if we walk around with this fake facade and this mask on our face. I don't think there was ever a time in Jesus' life that they wondered what he thought. I don't think there's ever a time that they say, oh, I wonder what he really thinks on that. He spoke truth in a bold, clear way. He was a straight shooter, not only about how to live out their lives, but what he was thinking. But that is not necessarily a place where most people are willing to go. He admitted he was lonely. He wanted their prayer support. He admitted that he was overwhelmed. This burden was so big, this sorrow so deep, that he wondered if he was going to be able to make it through the night. He was real about his struggles. However, Jesus just didn't stay here and allow that struggle to keep him confined to this chair. He knew that at the end of this journey, there was a place called Golgotha, a place called Calvary. And he knew that the gap between this chair and that chair would be very difficult. He didn't let that condition of fear keep him from being what he was supposed to be, and not only supposed to be, but where he was supposed to end up. Just consider this moment in history for a second. Jesus was about to be arrested and eventually go to the cross. If there ever was a time that you would look at people who were supposed to be your followers, the people that you're leaving behind, that are going to start this thing called people of the way, disciples of the way, Christianity, the first church. If there was ever a time that you wanted to make sure that, that they weren't afraid, if there was ever a time to say, I'm doing fine, that was the moment. He didn't want his disciples to be fearful like if their master was afraid and was overwhelmed, what might it be like for us once he's gone? If there was ever a time for Jesus to pretend that everything was fine, this was one of the moments, but he didn't. He said, I am overwhelmed with sorrow even to the point of death. I'm not sure I can go on, Jesus said. So he asked him, would you pray for me? You know, as I thought about this week, it really brought me to tears to think about this moment in Jesus' life. The very people that were supposed to be his inner 12 and now his inner three, the, the beloved ones, the ones that were going to follow after him and, and continue this mission, when he asked them to come through in a crunch time, they were too tired to stay away. And all he wanted was someone to say, I got your back. Even Jesus himself wanted some men to have his back in a time of need, in a time of sorrow. 
What's behind your mask today? When the blinds are down at home or in your dorm or at your workplace and the lights are off and it's quiet and the mask is dropped, what do you secretly wish about yourself? What do you really, really hope could happen for you? What happens when you finally strip yourself of this mask and say, this is what I secretly wish? If this would happen, then I could be that. What is it that you unfold? What is it that you think about when you're all by yourself? Are you honest with your present condition? Do you really like where you are at in your life right now? Could you say, yep, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied where I'm at. Or are you in one of these two seats remaining stationary and you've been there for a very, very long time? Have you been pretending that everything is okay spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally. Someone comes into your life, a friend, a husband, a wife, a brother, a sister, a mom, or dad, walks into your life and said, hey, how are you doing in this area spiritually? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing physically in your life? How's that area of your life? Are you, I'm doing fine. I'm satisfied. Look at me. You know, you might not be satisfied, but I'm sat. Are you really satisfied? How about relationally? Oh, my relationships, we're doing fine. Are you really, or is that an excuse? Or or do you sit in this chair and say, well, I can never be healthy because when I was six years old, this happened. When I was seven, when I was 15, when I was 18, this happened. And he did this to me, and she said that. And had a coach, and had a father, and had a mother. And so you remain here. Listen, in order for us to ever become and move up to the position that we're supposed to be in life, we must plow through some hard, 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 and difficult and difficult journeys. Jesus did. He knew at the end of his journey was Golgotha, the Calvary, the cross. Are you honest when you say, I'm satisfied with the condition I find myself in spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally? By the way, no one else can live your life but you. You can't live my life. I can't live your life. Seriously, when you looked in the mirror today, and after you said, good morning, Mr. Wonderful and Mrs. Wonderful, did you really believe that? Or are you haunted by the lies and the mass of pretense? Or are you haunted still in blaming someone from your past that you've chosen not to overcome? Are you wearing a mask today that hides the real you? How big is the gap from the you that you want to be and the you that you should be? How big is the gap from the you that you want to be and the you that you should be? How big is that gap? Are you willing today to say, I will do whatever it takes. It's time. I will get real now. No more pretending. No more blaming. No more letting the past haunt me. I will become the person Christ wants me to become. If you're willing to do that, this year could be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly different. Now, here's the real kicker, though, in this whole discussion. We can actually deceive ourselves into believing that we're okay with this stage in life. I'm okay, Pastor Jim. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm really okay with it. It's kind of comfy that that way if I, you know, I stay here, I don't have to tell people and I don't have to cry and I don't have to, I don't have to fess up and no one will know and they'll accept me. And it's like, boy, this is a safe place to live, Pastor Jim. Or maybe you're over here and it's like, 
I'm okay with playing the victim. And I get a lot of hugs. And I get a lot of people say, yeah, I understand. Me too. Come on, let's hug together. (laughs) I like this spot, Pastor Jim. I get attention there. Do you really think that that's the seat that Christ wants you to remain in? I'm not denying that there's some wounds and pain from the past. I'm not dismissing that today. I say we acknowledge them. I say we go back and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through some incredible steps of, of, of believing who you are in Christ and finding identity, and we can move up and bridge the gap and become the real you that Christ wants us to be. But here's the problem. We can deceive ourselves into believing that we're okay. You know why? Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. In other words, we can deceive ourselves into believing it's okay to remain there. It's okay to pretend. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. No, our hearts are desperately wicked. We can even deceive ourselves into saying, this is where we should stay. This means that some in this room, some in the link, and some across the internet right now are deceiving themselves into believing that everything is okay and living a lie about your real condition in life. You'll never have a healthy relationship until you move beyond these seats. If you're in the process of, of, of dating someone and you're looking at this person and you're thinking, man, this is potential for marrying one day, listen to me, guys and gals. You'll never have a healthy relationship until you leave these seats and rely upon Jesus Christ and let him blow oxygen and breathe life into you and the shell of the person that you become and you move on. Then will you find healthy relationships. Some of you are actually aware how bad things are and you've kept people at bay by not letting them get too close to you. You have all these tight little excuses and answers about your spiritual and physical health. And so when someone goes there, I mean, they're really good too. You've been saying them for so long and you've been saying them so well that they sound so convincing. And so when someone asks you how you're doing, you rattle off these excuses and you you even chapter and verse them. It's like, oh, chapter verse, here it is, chapter verse. And it's like, whoa, and you push people away. And all the while, you know that that is not the real you. Some of you have been in this sedentary condition for so long that your heart is dull to hearing the voice of God anymore. You've just shut him out. But when you're all alone, come on, just answer this guy. When you're all alone and you take off your mask and you cry, Who is it that you really want to be physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally? Are you truly satisfied or have you made excuses by saying, well, at least in this area, I have it together. What about the other three areas? Or at least in these two areas, well, at least I've improved. And you have these excuses that sound really good, but when it's, everything is stripped away, you know that you're not where Christ wants you to be. I really believe that today's message can set you free. I really believe if you're really willing to be honest today, you're going to be set free like many were in the first service today. But it required you to get brutally honest with yourself. It will also require an honest evaluation of your present condition. Honest evaluation of your condition. Look back at Jesus' life. Look back in verse 35. 
In verse 34, he admits that his soul was overwhelmed. He was very, very honest. And then in verse 35, he continues. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this what from me. Yet not what I what, but what you what. Think about this for a second. Jesus is looking at his present condition. And he realizes this is going to be difficult. And as he's crying out to his Abba Father, he said, everything is possible with you. But if it's possible, can you take this from me? I know this is who I need to be. I know this is who you sent me to be. I know that when I become this person that many will be saved. I know, I know, I know. But if there's just a slight chance, if possible, in this moment of feeling overwhelmed, can you remove this from me? And then he wraps it up by saying, not my will, but your will. Very honest. Jesus was very human here. You would think the God man of the universe say, I'm ready, let's go head on. But he was very honest saying, this road is difficult. Are you willing to admit that sometimes it's really, 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 really hard to get to the place that you need to be? How many of you are more, less willing to admit that and say, oh, I piece of cake, I'll get there and pretend that it isn't tearing you up in the process of going there? I think that sometimes we think the Christian walk should be easy. We somehow honestly think, really, we think we deserve a life that shouldn't be so challenging and so difficult. We honestly believe that it shouldn't be that hard because we are obedient Christ followers. We do our devotions every morning. We're working out. We're, 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 we're mentoring. We're investing in people. We worship every Sunday, and we're going to a Christian school, and we got, we, we, we're caring for people. We think, well, if I do all these things, if I continue to do, 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 that somehow God blesses, blesses, and there won't be suffering. Listen, there wasn't ever a person who walked on planet Earth who checked off the good-do list more than Christ did who shouldn't have had a life that shouldn't have been one of pain, yet he endured the cross. Then there are some of us who, quite frankly, are not willing to do what it takes to live up to our redemptive potential. We want the results without the hard work. Like, well, I would really like to go, be there, Pastor Jim, but that's a hard road. This is so much easier to pretend. Or, Pastor Jim, I, I, I want to stay in that chair. I like playing the victim. I like just continuing to, to bring up my past and getting sympathy and, and blame, blame, blame. It's just difficult, Pastor Jim. I like this station of life. I don't have to work hard here. The truth of the matter is this, though. Some of you are just plain lazy. The Bible calls people like that sluggards. You're not willing to work physically to get yourself in shape. You're not willing to work spiritually harder to get yourself spiritually in shape. You're not willing to invest extra time in relationships because it's so hard. We got to go to that spot again. You're not willing to grow spiritually and, and spend time in God's word because you're tired. It means you have to get up early. It might mean you have to invest and give up a recreational activity of your child's so that you can grow. You would rather just push that away and not get in a spot that causes you to grow. That's just easy. You're not willing to. The Bible says often because we're sluggards or we're lazy. In fact, Proverbs 13.4 says it this way. The sluggard craves and gets nothing but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I'm going to repeat that. Just in Proverbs 13, 4. The sluggard 
craves and gets nothing. But the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Another, the sluggard, the lazy person says, I want to stay here. It's too difficult, Pastor Jim. That means that I have to open myself up and get help. And that means that I have to rely on repentance and rely on forgiveness and rely on you and allow you. Pastor Jim, that's too hard. I'd rather remain a sluggard and not get what you want me to get. I mean, we're full of excuses too. Proverbs 26, 13, I've read a hundred times. Listen to this. It says the sluggard person or the lazy person says, there is a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. The sluggard says, the lazy person says, there is a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. In other words, this proverb says, he's, this, this guy knows that he's supposed to do that. He knows that it takes hard work, but he says, I might go out there and there might be a lion in the street and it'll eat me up so I can't go. How many of you allow an excuse like that? Well, I can't go do that. If I go that, I'll shoot my eye out or Bigfoot will show up. It's like, there's a lion in the street, and so we let this make-believe, this astronomical odds that could, has never taken place, and it will happen as soon as you step out in that journey. Oh, there, Pastor Jim, there might be a lion out there, and it will eat me up, so I'll stay safe and never become the person I'm supposed to be. That's what a lazy person does. And by the way, we're really good at this. They're called excuses. And we have tons of excuses. I've said them. I've practiced them through the years. You've practiced them. And there's thousands of them. And we, 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 we throw them out there. And here's a couple of them. Like, I could never get from there to there because it's just too hard, Pastor Jim. Or I need to spend more time with my family and if I don't spend more time with my family, it sounds really even holy. It's like you can put quotes around it. Oh, praise the Lord. Family man. Oh, family woman. Or I don't like how it makes me feel, Pastor Jim. Or I tried it before and I failed and I don't want to what again? Fail again. Or... I have a bad memory of the last time I've tried. Or I work from sunup to sundown. I'm tired when I get home. Or I got 10 kids that I'm caring for, and I'm cooking, and I'm changing diapers, and I'm doing all this. And Pastor Jim, I could never get there. I'm too tired to be the person that I'm supposed to be. Or... I'm just not good at that. Or better yet, we like sitting here and blaming God for something that's happened in our past. If he was God above and he was a good God and a loving God, he would have never allowed this to happen to me. So I'm just going to stay here. A good God would have never allowed that to happen. And so we spend our lives here blaming God and it's an excuse. Better yet, think about what we do as parents. We put these expectations on our children. We say, you need to go to school, and you need to work hard, and you need to get up early, and you need to, to make sure you're on time, and you need to work hard in your recreational uh, sports, and, and you need to get good grades, and, and, and you need to listen, and you need to brush your teeth, and you need to change your underwear, and you need to take a bath, and you need to 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 And all the while, we put these expectations, and we don't ever put them on ourselves. And so our children watch us, and they think, whoo, 
wait a minute. Is my daddy growing physically? Is my mommy growing physically? Is my daddy growing spiritually? Is my mommy growing spiritually? Is my daddy growing intellectually, relationally, emotionally, and my mommy? Yet we put all these expectations on our kids, yet we don't even put them on ourselves. That's called excuse, excuses, excuses. You will never become the person you are willing to become unless it begins with you. Listen, you want to see your children? You want to see your community? You want to see your workplace? You want to see your marriage changed men? You lead the way in those four areas. But it takes hard work. When will you take responsibility and do something about it? By the way, we must recognize that everything inside of you is designed to fight improvement. It is. By the way, everything inside of us is designed to fight improvement. It just is. I work two jobs. It's too hard to show up at Fight Club at 12 o'clock at night and expect two nights out of 84, just two nights. It's too difficult. I work in the morning. Well, let me tell you something. There are, there are 400 other men that work in the morning too, and some are going at 3 a.m., it's too difficult to, to, to go below service with women. And I'm not sure about that remarkable women thing. I'm not signing up because the last time I tried, it was just, it wasn't good. And it meant that I had to be real with myself when someone sign up and be part. It means in order for you to become the person, you might have to plow through some stuff and quit living your life full of excuses. Listen, if you continue to do the same thing you're doing now, you will become the person that you are right now. But if you change that, you'll become the person that Christ wants you to be but it takes hard work. And you don't like me right now, and I don't care. (laughs) Thank you, Wayne. That's only because I'm doing his 50th wedding anniversary uh, next week. Think about this for a second, though. Layer after layer of defense mechanisms we've built up. I don't want my marriage to get better. It's too hard. It's like, I like it being miserable. It's what you're saying. Every time I try to talk to her, I don't understand her. That road is too hard. And every time I, 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 I want to talk to him, I get that, that look where he just wants to fix it right there. Layer after layer of defense mechanisms we've built up. And right now, some of you have defaulted to this tune-out Pastor Jim moment. Oh, that's just Pastor Jim. He's got it all together. He's going to talk about physical health. (laughs) Tune out. What score of the game? And it's a mechanism because you're afraid to admit that you need help, that I need help, that God has designed us to live our lives in community where a brother and sister gets in your face and accountability says to another man, man up, dude, you're blowing it. And you refuse to sign up. You refuse to show up because you like these seats too much. And it's easy because you are lazy. The Bible calls us sluggards when we refuse to move beyond these seats. Even in marriages, when our spouses come to us with truth that could help us, we shut them out. We do. Because we sometimes focus on the messenger too much and avoid the message. 
We sometimes do. We focus too much on the messenger and we avoid the message. By the way, sometimes your wife's voice and the Holy Spirit sound very similar, guys. And so they come to you and it's like they come to you and they say, hey, you know, I, I, I love you. And is this a good time? And by the way, it's never a good time for your man. It's like, no, this isn't a good time. Come back later. Is this a good time? You know, I'm really trying to like make sure that we talk about this. Is this a good time, baby? And right away, defense, no. And so she comes to you and she shares something that you know is true. And you know it's true and you know she's going to say it. And yet you look at her and say, oh, are you going to go there again? And so you take this truth. And you shove it away and you focus on the messenger instead of listening to the message. It's your default system. And meanwhile, what she said is true and could really move you from that chair to that chair or from that chair to that chair. But no, you're pushing her away because you want, oh, I don't like your tone. Why are you coming at me now? And you focus, oh, I don't like your tone either. And all of a sudden you're at each other and the message is gone. It's the truth. And you know it's the truth. It's called Default mechanisms that push away defense. The same is true with you wives. We come to you and you know, we've already thought through it. It's like you come, we come to you and, we, and we, we see this issue and it's like God has just given us this ability to like, you know, just here's the problem. Oh, there's the answer. And so we come and, and, and we say, hey, why don't you do, don't you dare come at me again, tell me what to do and you haven't thought about it yet. All of a sudden, you're focusing on the messenger, and he probably, what he said was truth, and you can't handle the truth. Second Corinthians 13.5 reminds us in this process what we need to do. It says that we should test yourself to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Listen to me. The only way we'll ever become all that Christ wants us to be is to see if we even have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so many of us have made so many excuses for so long and we're so callous that sometimes we wonder, are you even in the faith? Is that the posture of a redeemed, born again, blood dripped Christ, redeemed follower of Jesus Christ to remain in these seats? Absolutely not. So there might be a point, you better ask the question, am I even in the faith? 2 Corinthians 4.20 says it this way in the message. It says, God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. It's more than talk. It's saying, yeah, one day I'll do that. No, it's an empowered life. It's letting the Holy Spirit put oxygen to your shell and helping you down on this journey so that you can become the person that you were intended to be. It's more than saying, one of these days I will. It's saying, Jesus, here I am. I'm stepping out. I'm vulnerable. I'm dropping the mask. I need help. Here I come. The new me is on the way. Here I am. Yet that is hard work. Some of you are really blown at big time. You're wasting your lives, just wasting them away. And you know it, you are. And you have all these tight-knit excuses as to why it's okay. No one said it would be easy. Jesus even admitted that he was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he looked at his own brothers and said, why did you let me down? He was lonely, he was hurting. And he even said to his father, God, God, if it's possible, could you take this cup from me? And then he says, not your will, not my will, but yours, Father. He willingly admit, this is more than I can handle. 
You see, sometimes we lose sight of this. God has given us a mission on earth. It's to point others to Jesus. But we will never see that happen if we aren't healthy ourselves spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. Part of the problem is this. The church, we think that the church is here for us. By the way, we are the church. And we are here for the world. Our lives should point others to Jesus. We come with this serve me mentality. No, we're supposed to point the world to Jesus. You are the church. But you must be willing to face whatever will come your way. So in order to become, we must be willing to face it. Even though we know it's going to be difficult, even though there's some unknowns, why, why couldn't this be the year where you got rid of all your, your lame excuses, all your reasons why you're not doing this and all the reasons why you're not doing that, you're too tired, you're too this, you're too that, he's too and she's too and he's too and they're all too. And so why don't we just move beyond that and say, I've lived a lazy life, I've been afraid, I'm fearful, I'm going to get vulnerable and I'm going to ask Jesus for health and I'm going to say, God, come into my life and breathe oxygen into me and let me stand in your power and your strength. It takes courage to look at your husband and wife and friend and say, this is who I was meant to be. And I'm sorry that I've spent the most of our marriage in these two seats, blaming God, blaming someone else, afraid and pretending. In a world that looks for every shortcut we can find to become the person we long to be, nothing replaces self-discipline and hard work empowered by the Holy Spirit. Nothing. I know your arguments. Well, you're just more disciplined. Listen to me. Self-control is fruit of the Spirit. It's not something you manufacture. It's in you. It comes from the Holy Spirit. When you choose not to exercise it, it's called S-I-N, sin. It's difficult becoming the person. You know, for all of us it is. None of us. All of us are somewhere in this journey. Hopefully we move beyond this seat. It's a daily struggle to become more and more and more like Christ. Every day our goal is to become more and more like Christ. It's hard work for everyone. It's not easy for anyone. And if you think it's easier for other people, you're kidding yourselves. Even the physical realm, this past Monday, my day off, it, was, it snowed, it was beautiful out. And you know, it was just, I could have just sat there and just looked at the snow and said, man, it's great. I could dream about running five miles. But I went out and ran. And as I was running, there's this long trail that there weren't any footprints yet in the snow. And as I was running, this long, narrow path at Benton Spillway, and as I looked, it looked like 400 yards ahead. As I was running, I was thinking, the man I want to be is at the end of that trail. And there's no way I'm going to become that man unless I run the trail. I can't sit here and say, oh, I hope that I'm that man on the other end without doing the hard work of making it happen, whether it's spiritually, physically, emotionally, or relationally. It might mean I push through some really yucky stuff so that Christ can redeem it and so that Christ can shape me and so that Christ can shape you to be the person you were intended to be. Even last night, it's 4.30 at night, and yesterday was, you know, as it is for you, Saturday is this really full day, busy day. It's 4.30, and so 
every part of me was screaming, wow, Oklahoma and Kansas are on ESPN too. Give me a bag of potato chips. Let's just watch this puppy. And so I'm laying there thinking, but it's so nice out. I was thinking, oh, it's like 35 degrees and sunny. This would be a great day to run. No, give me the potato chips. No, it would be great to run. Give me the potato chips. Oh, this is a close game. I should be there to cheer them on. It might make a difference. You know the stupid stuff we do. So I laced up my shoes, drove over to Benton Spillway, and I ran the five miles. Did I want to? Absolutely not. After I was done, was I glad I did? Absolutely yes, because in one area of my life, I was becoming the man, hopefully, that Christ wants me to be. I would never become that man, and you won't either unless you get out of the chair, get in the Jeep, put on your shoes, and go run. Just being brutally honest, last night it was, it was spent some time at the wards. I'm going to miss Candace and Eddie and Joel. They're moving on to Michigan, so we were saying goodbye to them last night at an open house, and I was coming home and carrying some weight from that. I was tired. It was a full day. I'd run five miles and spent time in the office and spent time with my family, and you know, you do the same stuff. I'm not complaining about it, and it was, it was in the evening, and it was, you know, I'm thinking about the, the service, and it's 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and it's like, I try to do push-ups and set-ups every night. Like, man, I did not feel like, in fact, my arms were sore. I'm playing basketball on Thursday night with Isaiah. I'm running up and down the court. These young guys just beat me around, give me a black eye. It's like, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to do push-ups, but I said this, Jim, you will not become the person Christ wants you to be unless you get your butt out of bed and do them. See, no one can do them for me. It'd be nice if I go to dance. Can you do them for me, baby, please? It'd be so much easier. Church, please hear me. You know I'm right about this. Are you satisfied with the condition that you're in right now, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally? If not, get up and do the hard work and be empowered and stand strong in the power of Jesus Christ and become the you that he wants you to be. Look at Jesus. Look at the urgency to this. Look at verse 37. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still what? And what? I want to say that today. Church, are you still sleeping and resting? Expecting? For God to do something great, are you still sleeping and resting? And then he says this, enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The hour has come. Jesus, in his most difficult, painful moment, was expressing honesty, and he knew that's who he was supposed to be. And he looks at his disciples and says, are you still sleeping? Are you still resting? He says, the hour has come for me to walk that difficult road. And by his stripes, we are healed, church. If he hadn't walked that road, we would not be rescued from hell. He could have sat there. He could have said, Father God, this is too hard. We don't need to save these people. But God said, 
you must go. And so Jesus said, the hour has come. I will go now. And time is for you right now to walk that journey and become the you so that others can be pointed to Jesus. But it's hard, Pastor Jim. I like the number seven at McDonald's with the number three. When I read this this week, I was so grateful that my Savior didn't remain in these seats. You will never accidentally become the person you were meant to be. Never. The Bible tells us that Jesus in Luke 2.52 grew in wisdom, stature, and his relationship with God and man. In other words, he grew in health. He grew spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally, and intellectually. Besides, you will never be able to lead anyone else until you learn to lead yourself well. The smallest crowd you will ever lead is yourself, but it's the most important one. So if you want to be a leader in the workplace, you want to lead as a father, you want to lead as a mother, you want to lead on the the, the sports arena, you want to lead in your dorm, you want to lead in the workplace, you want to lead wherever you're at. Listen, you will never lead well until you can lead yourself. And the way you lead yourself is by getting out of the seats and becoming the person that Christ wants you to be. It's hard work energized by Jesus Christ and in his strength and his power. You will never lead your home, fathers, until you lead the way Christ intended you to lead. It's real easy for you to look at your kids and say, you need to do this, you need to do that. Wouldn't it be something if just you would, they were able to stop and say, Dad, what about you? Mom, what about you? Average is easy. Lazy leaves you empty. The real you is getting lost because the fake you is just annoyingly impressive. I mean, you are so annoyingly impressive with this. It's like, you're really good at it. And so people say, is that person always that way? Isn't there ever a time? You are so annoyingly impressive that you've hidden part of the real you that you will never become the you unless you strip yourself of the mask and say, God, I want to become the you that you intended me to be. By the way, who is that person that you secretly wish you could be? Do something for me, please, just as we wrap up. Just just shut your eyes, please. No one move. Just just listen to some of these statements. Just close your eyes and, and ponder on these thoughts. And ask yourself, are these statements true about me? I'm going to read them to you. So just, just, just listen. Don't be distracted. Don't look at your phones. Don't look at your Bibles. Just, just ask yourself this question. Do you really fit into some of these? How about, I love pleasure more than hard work. I am in a relationship where I've settled in purity, but I don't want to be alone. And I think this will be my only chance. There are times when I wonder if I truly have what it takes, so I refuse to risk trying again because of the fear of failure. I refuse to do this because of my pride and my need to be right. 
and I don't want to let someone else be right about it. I like my sin too much to give up to a tough, diligent, disciplined lifestyle. I don't like other people telling me what to do. I am exhausted trying to be a pretender. I am really good at my excuses and have learned to craft them in a way that makes them seem legit. Yet secretly, there are other reasons as to why I chose not to change. I guess I have to conclude that I am just too lazy to do the hard work it takes to change. I often block out a message of truth that I need to hear by focusing more on the messenger instead of the message. I look at others and wish I had what they have. And instead of going for it, I tear them down so I look better. I secretly want to change, but fill in the blank. Lord, just just freeze this moment here, God, please. This moment, a decision could be made that could totally transform the direction of a marriage, the direction of a career, a direction of an individual's life. This moment, God, just freeze it. And I just command Satan's demons to to be held at bay by the power of Jesus Christ. God, don't let the enemy steal this moment with lies. In this room and in the link and across the world are individuals who, who have lived their lives in one of these two seats, either blaming and refusing to walk through or pretending that everything's okay. And in this room, God, are individuals who know, they know this is true, that it's gonna take hard work. They know that it won't be easy. I pray God, Holy Spirit, that you would give them the fortitude, the, the brass, the guts, the honesty, the vulnerability to say, I don't like who I am right now. There's so much more for me, God. I refuse to remain in these seats. I will lead my family like I was intended to lead. I will throw away these tightly knit excuses that I chapter and verse. And I'll get real right now. No more excuses, God. In this moment, God, my life will be more than mere talk. It will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. No more pretending. And so God, today I say, I'm walking through, I'm stepping out, I'm scared, God. I'm gonna show up when I need to show up. It won't be an excuse in my place. From this day forward, the new me, the me that I'm supposed to be is working toward that higher ground in that higher chair. I refuse to finish 
this way, God. I have a feeling that all across this room and all across the link and all across the world, many are ready to get brutally honest with themselves. I believe the first step is acknowledging, God, I need help. I can't do it alone. I'm overwhelmed. How do I get past pretending? I'm afraid to be vulnerable. What will they think? But God, I don't want to waste my life. And I'm moving on. I don't care what my husband thinks in this moment. I don't care what my wife thinks. I don't care what my children think. I don't care what my dad thinks. I don't care what my mom thinks. I only care what you think. And I'm moving to higher ground. So God, undo this mess that I've made of my life. This day, February 10th, 2013, the me that I was created to be is at the end of this trail that I've just stepped out on and I'm going in full faith. Here I come. So if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you, everyone to stand right now, please. Just stand in the link, stand in the main and just... I'm gonna ask you with your heads bowed. I'm just gonna ask you to come, just come to the front as we sing this song. Say, I'm stepping out. I'm not sitting any longer. No more excuses. I'm being accountable saying, here I am, God. So Lord, I pray that you'll move in this moment as we sing the truths of this song. I pray that people will be set free. No more laziness. No more excuses. No more blaming. No more pretending. I'm marching on. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is pricking and prodding your heart, don't pretend that he isn't. This is your chance. Drop the mask and come as we sing. Please, God, bless the courage of these individuals. In Jesus' name, amen.